journey into the Citadel, where our pastor is Superintendent Johnson A. Bevan III. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. God, glory, and honor. We're certainly glad to have you with us all this morning. Uh, on Sunday, March the 28th, uh, 2021, I see many of you are on watching, and uh, we just praise God on this uh, day. It's a good day, and it's a day that the Lord has made, and so glad to see you coming on here with us, and uh, continue to let me know as you're coming on, and feel free to share uh, and uh, start a watch party. And again, uh, we thank God for those who are able to join us this morning as well on our conference line, and we thank God for you. And as always, we want to connect with you and uh, be a support to you. And uh, certainly uh, we can do that by uh, texting 7676-2317-676-0134. Again, you can text 7676-2317-676-0134. And you'll receive a reply text. You can receive a reply text. Uh, with a link to our digital connect card and uh, just tap the link, which will open the connect card. Uh, and certainly if you have a prayer request, we'd like uh, you to leave that there in the comments section. And uh, if you'd like to become a part of an online uh, church community, you also can leave that there as well. So as it, the ticker reads, uh, you can text 76762-317-676-0134. And we're just so glad that you're all with us on uh, this day. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as we move forward uh, today, Father, we thank you for your blessedness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you, God, for all that you have blessed us with. We just thank you for this day uh, in our portion and part of uh, the country. Uh, it's raining and it's a little bit gloomy, but we know that the sun is yet shining. And therefore, God, we know uh, we live by faith in the same way. Sometimes we we can't see what we know is a reality. And so yet we still believe. And so today we just thank you, God, that the sun is shining. But more importantly, we thank you for the sun who lives on the inside of us. Uh, the light of heaven. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Father, we pray for the families uh, who have experienced uh, great loss of family members from uh, the senseless shootings uh, in the state of Texas and Colorado. And Lord, we just pray your grace and your comfort upon those families. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, bring them uh, what they need at this hour. Uh, death comes unexpectedly in those kinds of situations. And Father, uh, no telling uh, how how deep the hurt and the pain is, but certainly uh, it is a great grief uh, in losing a member of the family, no matter how or when it comes. So Lord, we pray that you would uphold them uh, with the right hand of your righteousness, God, that you would comfort them, God, in the palm of your hand. Be with us even this morning, God, as we look to your word. And uh, we just thank you for all things in Jesus's name. Amen. If you don't mind, give God some praise there. It is a wonderful day. I uh, see so many of you even see one of my cousins there, I believe, on there. God bless you today. God bless you. Good to see everybody here from Michigan City. We got Detroit. All right. Looking good here. All right. See you, my cousin, Chris Michelle. God bless you. Glad you're with us here. Uh, today as well. So many others. Uh, thank God for you. Um, 
on today. We've been in a series uh, addressing how to confront uh, gigantic challenges, and I hope that it has been a blessing to you. But today we're going to pause on that series uh, because on the Christian calendar, uh, this Sunday is Palm Sunday, uh, which begins what Christians call uh, Passion Week. And Palm Sunday is the Sunday uh, preceding Jesus's crucifixion. And it is the Sunday that Jesus makes his entry uh, into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And there's a large crowd there that meets him and they spread branches of palm trees along the path procession uh, surrounding Jesus. And this uh, is found in all four gospel writings. And it is uh, from the Psalms, Psalm 118, uh, the song that was leading uh, before us here today coming on the broadcast uh, that the, the people there in the crowd, they begin to basically recite this Psalm out of Psalm 18, 118, uh, what reads in verse 25, save now or Hosanna, save now I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity, blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And so uh, this is the uh, event of the moment uh, that begins uh, the week of Jesus, uh, his passion. And uh, and so you can read that in all four of the gospel writings. I'm not going to speak on that today. A lot of times we do. But I'm going to focus on what took place on the cross. And more specifically, what was God doing by Jesus's dying on the cross? And what did it accomplish? And I want us to consider this from this subject, the mediator, the mediator, the mediator. And in the gospel, or rather in First Timothy, in the epistle of Paul to Timothy, in First Timothy chapter two, I'm gonna start reading at verse three, but I want you to focus on verse five. But in verse three, it reads, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior, who will have or desires all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. But there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Look at that fifth verse one more time. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And in concert with that, out of 2 Corinthians chapter five, uh, I'm gonna begin reading there in verse 18, it reads, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses upon them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24, that, that 24th verse just starts out reading it and it says, and to Jesus, the mediator. There's a long list of titles and words in scripture that describe who or what Jesus is. 
Yet when we read the gospel narratives, there are two central, two central events uh, that they each express as climatic. And these two events are also central uh, in the remainder or the rest of the New Testament writings. And the two events are the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Scott Swain says that these two were at the heart of God's saving plans for the world, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to just take a look at the, the death of Christ, if you will. Jesus clearly understood why he had to come to the earth, for he simply just said to give his life a ransom for many. You find this in the gospel writings as well. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And the gospel of John shows uh, that Jesus specifically knew that it was the hour of the cross. That was the hour toward which his entire life was directed. Early on in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 2, he let them know that my hour has not yet come. And later on in that same Gospel in chapter 12, he lets the disciples know that the hour has come. And so Jesus knew specifically why he entered into this world uh, to come to the point of this hour. Now, the word mediator uh, is derived from a word that simply means in the middle, in the middle. Thus, a mediator is someone who mediates a disagreement between two parties in order to reach a common understanding. Uh, a mediator is a go-between. And as we saw there in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, but there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. And so a mediator is a go-between, a person who acts as a third party, attempting to bring two conflicting parties to an, an agreement through negotiation. Having worked in the legal field for numerous years, uh, my wife informed me that the goal of mediation is to negotiate a settlement. It's to negotiate a settlement so that the case does not go to court. And whether you know it or not, as we'll see a little bit later, uh, that all of us were in a situation of having a case go to court. And we all are still going to have to go to court because we all have to appear before the Bema or the judgment seat of Christ. But with this understanding uh, that the goal of uh, uh, mediation and the mediator is to have the conflict selected, with that understanding that knowing that we want the conflict to be uh, settled, not selected, but settled, when we see and come to know Jesus as the mediator, we more clearly can understand what he was doing and what he accomplished when he said these words on the cross. And I'm sure this coming Friday, it's Good Friday, and many will uh, commemorate that day uh, by uh, having services on the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. And the sixth word or phrase that he uttered before dying was it is finished. It is finished. All right. The conflict, if you will, 
has been settled, all right? The debt has been paid, but in regards to mediation, all right, and what a, mediate, what a mediator does is that the conflict has been settled. Uh, it is finished. But the starting point for us is that we, to understand, is to understand why Jesus became the mediator. It's very important that we understand why Jesus became the mediator. Uh, the mediator. I said, I think I said that right. Maybe it's in a little bit too crazy. Uh, but it's it's the state of humanity, uh, the state or the condition that we were in, uh, required a mediator. The Bible clearly states that all that we all in Adam became sinners, and that might be foreign to some. Uh, but it's in Romans chapter five. Take a look at that real quick. Romans chapter five and um, verse 12, it reads, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Death passed upon all men, why? For that all have sinned, but that sin came by one man, it entered to the world by one man, and that one man was Adam. And so in other words, theologically, sin was imputed to us. Adam represented all of humanity when he sinned. So since we were in Adam, sin was thus transferred to us. And this state of sin, the state of sin soils, and it stains our souls and it separates us from God. You might wanna write that down and tell somebody about that one day, that the state of sin soils and stains our souls and separates us from God. When Adam sinned in the garden, we were the image of God, but that image because of sin became marred, all right? We didn't have, we weren't what we were originally. And so all of that, what changed in the garden uh, due to Adam was transferred upon us. And we are born into sin simply because of that. And the state of sin soils and stains our souls, separating us from God. And because of sin then, we're in a present condition. Our present human condition uh, is a state of being spiritually depraved, alienated from God. Uh, it puts us in a position of guilt and condemnation. And all of this amounts to us being in a lost state, uh, which the Bible calls perishing. We're in a perishing state, in a downward spiral because of sin. And therefore we are lost. But not only does sin affect us in the present, it also projects what the future eternal condition or state that people would find themselves in if they remain in that state of being uh, stained with sin. And there's several things uh, that uh, is projected uh, for one who remains in that state. One is that uh, they're assigned to hell. The Bible calls it Gehenna, all right? They're assigned to hell. 
they're assigned to the place of everlasting punishment. Secondly, uh, they're assigned to exclusion from the presence of God forever. Uh, the epistle Paul in his writing says that they will be eternally separated from the presence of God uh, if one is in the state and the condition of sin. And what that does is that ultimately it assigns us to spiritual ruin because we're eternally separated from God and then being assigned to Gehenna, Gehenna or hell. Now, this may not make sense to you, all right? But the unfortunate thing about this is this. Since we did not personally and actively get ourselves into the state of sin, now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand that there, uh, because you're born into sin, guess what? You're going to sin. And that's what we all have done, all right? We all have sinned. Uh, and we were born in that state. But the imputation of that or the transference of that state of sin to us wasn't because we personally sinned, it was through Adam. But because that was in our DNA, if you will, we do personally and have personally sinned, all right? But originally, since we did not personally and actively get ourselves into that state of sin, that was because of Adam, all right? We didn't do that. But because we didn't do that, Again, like I said, this may not make sense. We thus cannot get ourselves out of the state of sin. All right. Adam put us in that state. All right. Through his action in the garden. And therefore, we cannot get ourselves out of it. We didn't get ourselves in it, although we do sin. All right. I don't know anybody, anybody that's on here. Listen to me. You have sinned. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what you think about yourself. You have sinned. I have sinned. All right. We all have sinned, as the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, but because we cannot save ourselves, then it is therefore absolutely necessary that someone else save us. I'm trying to boil all this theological stuff that you read about in the Bible. And you hear sometimes I'm trying to make it as simple as I can here today. So this is where this is where Jesus comes into the picture. And he becomes God's provision for our sin predicament. We were in a predicament. The human condition of sin, the state of sin, put us in a predicament, right? And a predicament that we could not get ourselves out of. And so God had to make provision to get us out of that predicament that we didn't even really put ourselves in. Now that's really a predicament, that, that's really crazy. That's why I said it may be hard to believe, all right? Because we didn't get ourselves in it, we can't get out of it. We are stuck in sin. The Bible says that we're shut up in sin in the book of Galatians. But this is where Jesus comes in. He is God's provision for our sin predicament. Jesus's death, is the solution to our sin problem. So you might wanna write this down. The cross is the symbol that signifies that Jesus's death was the substitutionary sacrifice that satisfied 
divine justice. I'll read that again and say that again. The cross is the symbol that signifies that Jesus's death was the substitutionary sacrifice that satisfied divine justice. These three words speak to Jesus's death on the cross. One is sacrifice, two is substitute, and three is satisfaction. Again, he is the mediator. All right, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So the cross is the symbol that signifies that Jesus's death was the substitutionary sacrifice that satisfied divine justice. Sacrifice, substitute, satisfaction. So first, Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 puts it this way. The apostle Paul, he uh, just really uh, puts the, what the gospel is in a very nutshell uh, in uh, verses three and four of first Corinthians 15. But first Corinthians 15 and verse three reads like this. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And also for some of you that know the book of Hebrews, uh, verse uh, chapter nine and verse 22 says that there is no remission of sin, all right? But there is no forgiveness. There is no removing of the sin. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus died as a sacrifice. He became a blood sacrifice, all right, for our sins. Uh, Guy Duffield and Nathaniel Van Cleve uh, said this, and I think it, it really speaks to the heart of the matter when we compare uh, Christianity to other religions. They wrote, uh, Christianity is unlike all other religions in the place it assigns to the death of its founder. Jesus Christ is the founder of our faith. Uh, Hebrews says he is the author, the founder. He is the one that uh, began this thing. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. But Christianity, they said, is unlike all other religions in the place it assigns to the death of its founder. They continue to say, to write, all other religions base their claim to greatness on the life and teaching of those who founded them, while the gospel of Jesus Christ centers around the person of Jesus Christ, especially his death at Calvary. So there's something special about the death of Jesus Christ on that cross on Calvary. And it's the fact that Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins. And that's, uh, that has, it's loaded theologically with a whole lot going all the way back to the Old Testament and reading. Uh, but that's the, that's a summation of, 
what Jesus's death was for us. It was, first of all, a sacrifice, all right, for our sins. But secondly, Jesus's death was also substitutionary. It was substitutionary. Substitutionary refers to uh, instead of, or in the place of, or for uh, the benefit of another or on behalf of another. And that's why we read in 1 Corinthians 15 and 3, Paul just simply said that Jesus died for our sins. He died for us in our place. So Jesus's death then can best be understood as what we call theologically a penal substitutionary atonement. And that's uh, the Bible PSA, all right? That's the Bible PSA. We know PSA stands for public service announcement. Well, that's the Bible PSA, uh, that Jesus was a penal substitutionary atonement. And what that really means is that Jesus bore the legal judicial punishment for our sins. You know, when, when, you, when you go to court, you've been charged with a crime, and if you've been found guilty, uh, there's a penalty that comes with that, all right? There's a punishment that comes with that. And so it was with us. Our human state, our human condition of being in the state of sin uh, is that we were condemned. We're guilty because all have sinned in Adam, all right? And have fallen short of the glory of God. And so there was a judgment that we have to face. And that is the wrath of God. That's the real judgment, it's the wrath of God. For the wages of sin, Paul says in Romans chapter uh, three, is that the uh, chapter six, rather, uh, the wages of sin is death. All right, that's the punishment. And so Jesus bore the legal punishment for our sins on the cross. And the punishment that we were to receive because of sin. Jesus bore for us so we don't have to, all right? Now, associated with this is a third thing about Jesus dying on the cross. Number one, Jesus's death was a sacrifice. Jesus's death was substitutionary. But thirdly, Jesus's death satisfied God's just wrath toward sin. And that's associated with the word called atonement. Atonement refers to the sacrifice that satisfies divine justice. First uh, John chapter two uh, reads like this. Well, let's let's look at verse one. My little children, again, this is First John, the epistle of First John, not the Gospel of John, but the epistle of First John, towards uh, the uh, latter part of the of the Bible, uh, and a couple of books before Revelation, chapter two, verse one reads: "My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Guess who that is? The Mediator, Jesus Christ." the righteous. He is also our advocate. As I said, there's a list of words that describe uh, or titles that describe who or what Jesus is. We have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But verse two, and he is the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation for our sins. That's a big Bible word. 
It's a theological word that just simply has the meaning of that. He satisfied what needed to be satisfied. Jesus Christ, his death satisfied and became the propitiation uh, to God, all right? It appeased God. It satisfied God and it satisfied uh, his divine justice. And so uh, it speaks to atonement, speaks to a sacrifice that satisfies, particularly also to the process whereby oneness is achieved. And we're dealing with the term of atonement. That's a part of all of this uh, theologically. Uh, atonement deals with oneness, all right? Being covered and, and deals with oneness. It's the process of a oneness being achieved. It is the action that satisfactorily amends for an offense or an injury. Thus, it cancels out the evil effects so that the two parties can be together again. You get the picture? The work of a mediator is to unite or to bring the two conflicted parties back together again. And so that's why some people referred to the word atonement, A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T. They refer to the word atonement as being at one mint, all right? Brought back into a harmonious relationship. And that's what Jesus's death on the cross did for us. Jesus's death, was the substitutionary sacrifice that satisfied divine justice. I hope you got that, all right? Because it's very important. It's very important. Again, we're dealing with uh, what, uh, why did Jesus come, all right? What was God doing by Jesus dying on the cross and what did it accomplish? And that's what it accomplished. And that's what God was doing in Jesus, all right, when he died on the cross. So that brings us lastly to what then is the effect of Jesus's atoning death? What is the effect of Jesus's sacrificial, substitutionary, satisfying death? What effect did it bring? And just as there were three things uh, that dealing with his death in regards to what it did, all right, what was happening there and that it was substitutionary, it was a sacrifice that satisfied. There's three words here, just want to uh, deal with the effect of what God actually did and what's accomplishing through the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, number one is simply redemption. It was redemption. It was saving us from sin. If you flip to the book of Romans again in chapter three, and we'll Stay in the book of Romans just to deal with these three aspects here. Romans chapter three and verse 24 uh, reads, let's see, look at verse 23. You, you know, verse 23, it reads, for all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus's uh, substitutionary, sacrificial, uh, satisfying death brought to us redemption and that he saved us from the sin state 
that we could not get ourselves out of, all right? So the effect is redemption. We're saved from sin. Secondly, a second effect is reconciliation, all right? Reconciliation just deals with the relationship being set right. It's again, dealing with and bringing to, to pass a peaceful, uh, a, bring a conflictual uh, relationship uh, into a harmonious relationship to where there was conflict or enmity, now there is peace. And that's what we have through the death of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter five, look at verse one, it reads, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the 10th verse, it reads, for if when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or the at-one-ment. We're brought back into a harmonious relationship. We're at one with God again. No more is there enmity between God and me because Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. And so the effect of his substitutionary, uh, sacrificial, satisfying death is that of redemption. Two, it is reconciliation. And lastly, it is righteousness. The effect of Jesus's death brings to us righteousness. And in Romans chapter five, and in this case, righteousness has a few uh, different uh, uh, nuances of meaning. But here, righteousness, speak of it, uh, meaning uh, in right standing with God, all right, in right standing with God. Romans, again, in chapter five, we go, uh, we saw how that uh, by one man sin into the world, in verse 12, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, because therefore we all have sinned. But because of Jesus's death, uh, that has changed, all right? He changed that state for us on the cross and that he brought righteousness to us. Romans chapter five, verse 18 and 19 reads like this. Therefore, as by the offense of one, that's Adam, all right? Verse 12, what happened there? Verse 12, what happened in the garden of Eden? Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. All right, that was the state. That was the condition we were in. Goes on to read, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous or brought into a right standing in a right relationship with God. Jesus was manifested to take away our sins, according to 1 John chapter 3, and verse 5. And in so doing, Jesus, who is he again? The mediator. Jesus, the mediator, is the one who saves us from sin, unites us back to God, 
and puts us in a state of right standing with God. And you can't beat that. All right. You had a situation. We had a situation that we didn't get ourselves into actually by us actively doing it. All right. But we can't get ourselves out of the situation because it's been hoisted upon us, if you will. It has been imposed upon us, has been imputed to us. So we can't get ourselves out of it. And Jesus is God's provision to get us out of that state and to bring us back into harmony with God. That's the crux, the basis of what uh, Jesus did, what God was doing on the cross in Jesus Christ, in reconciling us back to him. If it was not for Jesus, if it weren't for Jesus, we could not be in right standing with God. If it weren't for Jesus, we could not be uh, redeemed and sin being taken away from our lives. We could not be positioned in a right standing with God if Jesus had not become the sacrificial substitutionary sacrifice that satisfy the divine justice and wrath of God. My friend, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ in your life today, let today be that day. Uh, you may be watching here live with me or someone may be watch, may view this later on. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, received Jesus Christ into your life, or you're yet in the state of sin, we all have got to come before the judgment seat of God. We got to go to court, y'all. We have to go to court. But the job of the mediator, all right, is to bring forth a settlement before getting to court. And the way that applies to us here is that Jesus mediated, all right, and he uh, satisfied a amicable and agreeable settlement, all right, with the Father, and that he became the death penalty. He took the death penalty for us, all right? And so now when we stand before the court of God, and go before God, who is judge, all right? The case has already been settled. Jesus Christ settled it for us at the cross. His death was substitutionary. I was on, I was on, on, on trial. I'm going to be on trial. I'm going to come before him. But because of what he did for us, and by accepting that, all right, by accepting what he did on the cross, not rejecting it, accepting it and appropriating, receiving it to ourselves personally. Jesus Christ uh, frees us and cancels us from having to have the judgment and the penalty and the condemnation and the separation from God to have no effect upon our lives. So we, when we appear before the judgment seat of God, those who have accepted Jesus Christ and have lived according to his, his word and his will and confess their sin and continually to walk before God, not to walk continually in sin and to habitually a sin in their life. All right. When you get to heaven, God is not going to ask you. He, well, he might ask you, though, how, how, why should I let you in? And there's only one answer to that question. It's because I've accepted what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He was the substitute for me. That should have been me on the cross, but he died in my stead. And that is what satisfied 
the state I was in to remove sin, to take sin away from me. When his cousin John saw him walking, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. My friend, if you want your sins to be removed from you, and if you want your case to be settled in the court of God, Jesus Christ is the mediator. So you don't have to go to court, all right? It's settled before you go to court. All you have to do is repent of your sin, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, based upon the work he did on the cross, and ask God to forgive you and to accept you. You can do that right now. If you, if genuine in your heart, you want to receive Jesus Christ, you want your sins to be forgiven, uh, repeat this prayer after me. Father, I am a sinner in need of a savior, for I cannot save myself, but I believe in Jesus Christ who was sent to save me from my sins. I believe his death on the cross was for me in my place. And I accept what he did. I received Jesus Christ into my life. God, I ask you to forgive me, to grant unto me eternal life based upon Jesus Christ, that I may be made the righteousness of God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for giving me life everlasting. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, we want to know. Please text 76762-317-676-0134. If you prayed that prayer, or if you want to become a part of our online church community, or if you have a prayer request, text 76762317-676-0134. And in the re, uh, in the on the uh, digital connect card, there is a comment section. Please type in there. If you prayed that prayer, just type in there. I prayed that prayer. We'll know what that means so we can uh, get some information to you and to be a help to you on your spiritual journey with Christ. Excuse me. Secondly or thirdly, you also let us know if you have a prayer request or if you'd like to become a part of our online church community. We'd love to have you to be a part of our church community and so we can be a support to you. Also, if you'd like to give and be a support to the ministry, there are four ways you can do that. Uh, you can give at any time in uh, any amount. No amount is too uh, small and no amount is too large. And we believe that God will bless you in your giving and support. You may want to sow. You may want to pay your tithe. Uh, God will bless you in doing that. There are four ways uh, we can receive donations. One is through Cash App, and that's dollar sign, C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C. Again, dollar sign, C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C, as well as through Givelify. That is a uh, mobile giving app. And uh, you can download that uh, on your uh, smartphone and uh, uh, do a search for Citadel of Faith, Church of God in Christ. We've made it pretty simple for you. Uh, once we close out today, there's a blue bar 
on our uh, Facebook page here and it reads, use app. You just tap that bar, it will take you directly to the Givelify app and you can give that way. We also can receive donations by way of PayPal, again to Citadel of Faith, Church of God in Christ, or you also could mail to the address there, 7676 East 38th Street. <coughs> you also can take us along with you all day long, no matter where you are, whether you're driving, across town on the highway. Uh, you can take uh, Citadel with you, our podcast, Journey to the Citadel. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Soundbreaker, Heart, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, Spotify, and also on our webpage, citadelkojic.com. There is a tab there on the website to just uh, tap it that says podcast and that will take you to the podcast. Like us here, please, on Facebook. You also can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and that is at Citadel Coaching. <coughs> at Citadel Coaching. And so, again, we uh, pray that you've received something of worth from today's teaching. Uh, we'll be back here again next Sunday. We'll be Easter Sunday, and we'll be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And after that, we'll resume and get back to the Lord, say the same, uh, on to dealing with uh, confronting gigantic challenges. So Rita and I, we bless you in the name of the Lord. We love you, but more importantly, God loves you. God bless and have a wonderful remaining Lord's Day on this Palm Sunday. Peace.